welcome you today. If you've got a Bible today and you want to read along with us, we're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 2 in just a few minutes. Luke chapter 2. It is Christmas time. It's that time of the year. You know, from the time you finish Thanksgiving dinner and you watch the last football game on Thanksgiving, the Christmas carols start that night. And we start shuffling into the Christmas season. How many of you like Christmas? See, I love Christmas time. I love it. I was telling first service, you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas. And it was like, man, would Christmas time just hurry up and get here? Like it took forever. And now that I'm in midlife, it's shifted a little bit. Mike, you think that's funny? I mean, if you're going to live to 120, you know, my age, you're midlife, okay? So don't look at it that way. So now that I'm in midlife, it's like, didn't we just do Christmas a few days ago? You know, it just keeps going faster and faster. But I love Christmas. Let me ask a couple questions. How many of you have started your Christmas shopping? You've started it. Hold them, come on, hold them up a minute. You've started your Christmas shopping. Thank God for Amazon. Isn't it wonderful? Keeps you out of the malls. How about this one? How many have you have already finished your Christmas shopping? See, that, that's for all the people who don't believe in giving gifts. Oh, yeah, I finished mine already. Just kidding. How many of you are like Pastor Gary and like, I'm going to start mine here in a couple weeks? Okay, so we got, we got the whole group covered today. Anyway, you know, I love Christmas time. I really do. You go into the stores, the malls, businesses, and Christmas carols are playing, and you know, you don't hear as much of the Christmas story as you used to because they've replaced it with Rudolph and Santa and other kinds of songs. But still, I love Christmas time because it's the one time of the year when people start thinking about giving, giving to others. And I, and I love Christmas time. But you know, I think sometimes in the middle of the Christmas season with all the busyness, it's really easy to get so caught up with so many things. Sometimes we forget and we miss the real meaning of Christmas. We miss the message that goes along with Christmas. And here at the Bridge Church, I, I, want, I want to do something today. And really, it, it's twofold. Number one, I want to talk to you about Christmas at the Bridge and kind of walk through everything that happens here this month. Because December is a special time, but it's also a really busy time here at the Bridge. So I want to talk about that. But then second of all, I also want to talk about the heart of Christmas. I want to go back and reattach to the meaning of Christmas, the message, and what it's really all about. So, first of all, let me, number one, just talk to you about the bridge schedule at Christmas. When you came through the door today, you may have received one of these advertisement cards, promo cards. It talks about Christmas at the bridge. And on the back side, it kind of gives you the two unusual or extraordinary things that we're doing this month. I want to encourage you before you leave today to grab several of these and pass it out at work, to your neighbors, businesses, friends, families. You have to put it in your coffee shops, wherever you buy your coffee. Get the word out there about Christmas time at the bridge. And, and I'm going to be talking about this today because now that we're in the Christmas season and we're talking about Christmas today, next Sunday morning, our children's choir will be singing. So we're going to have a lot of grandparents here and extended family here who come to see the little kids sing. And how many of you know they'll do a great job, but it's not about hearing them sing. It's about watching them perform up here. 
I mean, it's, it's great to behold. I'm going to have a grandchild for the first year up here. My granddaughter will be up here. And I assure you, she's, she's going to be singing, but she's more excited about being up on the stage in front of the crowd. So don't expect her to stand still. She could be all over the place doing her own thing. Uh, but you know how kids are. That's kind of how it goes. So next Sunday morning, kids' choir will be singing, and then I'll be sharing a Christmas message. The following Sunday, two weeks from today, which will be the, the 16th, we're going to be having our Christmas production, which is called The Way in a Manger. If you've never been to our Christmas productions, we do a Christmas production every year. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of music, extra special things going on. It's really a fun day. We do 9.30 and 11.30 in the morning, and then we add a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. It's a great time. It's not just entertaining and fun. It also gets us in the heart of Christmas because the message will grab your heart. And I want to just throw this in as a postscript to that. Every year, almost, everybody say almost. almost. Every year, almost, I have somebody the week after our production who says, who gives me an email or gives me a phone call, leaves me a message and says, well, I want you to know there was something in that script that wasn't exactly scriptural. I know that. Okay, there's some levity in there. There's some things that will make you laugh. A couple years ago, we had the shepherds with their staffs, and they had selfie sticks on their staffs, you know, to show pictures of them and the angels. There's just some little things we show in, throw in to just make it fun. Everybody say fun. Okay, your neighbors think you're so stuffy and stuck with your religion that they don't think you have any fun anymore. Bring them to this. They'll let you know we have a little bit of fun at church, okay? But the point is this. It always has a message about the coming of Christ into our world. So it'll be a great time. Bring friends, bring family that day. And then three Sundays from today, on the 23rd, we're going to have our Christmas candlelight service. We're going to do it both Sunday morning services, and then on the following Monday, which is the 24th, Christmas Eve, we'll be repeating that service in the evening at 5 o'clock. So for those who can't make it Sunday with family things or work, for those who've got family coming to town, you can bring your family to church on Christmas Eve. It's an awesome service. We do a lot of Christmas carols. We read the Christmas story. It's just a special time. And I promise you, here's the point. A lot of people are going to come into church this month who normally never attend church. And it's a time of year for us to reach out and really touch people's lives. So I want to encourage you, get the word out there. Also this month, we're doing Adopt a Child the last Sunday of the month, we'll be sharing a message, preparing us for the new year. So a lot goes on this month. But with that in mind, let's get to the second part of this. The second part of this is actually my message today because I want to set the tone for Christmas at the bridge. With all the modern trappings of the season, with all the busyness and the things that happen in our lives, it's easy to lose the meaning of Christmas. It's easy to overlook the real message of Christmas. And if we don't grasp the message of Christmas, a lot of times we miss things that God wants to do in our lives. You know, the birth of Jesus, when you look at the manger, when you look at where he was born and how he was born, all the circumstances, the birth of Jesus was so simple. It was so humble that it could easily have been ignored or even altogether missed by humanity. But God did two things to make sure that the birth of Jesus would not go unnoticed. Two things I want to refer to. Number one, he put a star in the sky. 
God put a celestial body in the heavens so that the smartest of the smart, the wisest of the wise, the scientists and astrologers of the day, they could see the sign and it would grab their attention to let them know that something special was happening in the earth. And eventually it brought them to Jesus. And then the second thing, this is what I want to focus on today. There was a group of shepherds out in the field the night or the early morning which Jesus was born, tending sheep, and God sent first an angel and then a host of angels to announce the birth of Jesus to them. To make sure that not just the scholarly Bible students would know a little bit about the moment, not just the prophetic people would know, but so that all people would know that a Savior had been born. With that in mind, I want us to read about the message that the angels brought to the shepherds. And really, this is a Christmas message about the message, okay? So look, if you would, at Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have scriptures on the screen. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Here's what it says. Now, there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields. Notice the wording. Living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. They were terrified at this angelic being and all this brightness would show up there in the night. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good uh, tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Everybody say a Savior. He's born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, notice this for a moment before we move on. When the angel is joined by a host of angels, they all in unison begin to cry out or sing out or proclaim, what's about to happen will bring glory to God in the highest parts of the universe. It'll bring glory to God and peace in people's hearts on the earth. Notice verse 15. So it was... When the angels had gone away from there into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And finally, verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I want to share just a few simple thoughts, first of all, about the message that the angels brought to the shepherds. The angels, first of all, when they announced the birth of Jesus, declared, number one, that what they were sharing was good news. Good news. How many of you in the room today could use a little bit of good news? How many of you know that good news tends to cover bad news? When you get good news, it lifts your heart. It makes you kind of forget about the of things you've been struggling with. The angel shows up to these shepherds and he begins to say, hey, something miraculous is happening. The first thing he says is, this is 
good news for you. Did you know there are people in your neighborhood who need to hear some good news? Do you know there are people who live next door to you and down and up and down your street who need to hear good news? There are people you work with who need good news. There are people all around us who are struggling, who are hurting, who are carrying the weight of life all by themselves, and they're looking for good news. And oftentimes, day after day, time goes by, and we never stop to think about sharing some good news with those around us. I think about these shepherds. It's always amazing to me that these angels show up to common, everyday shepherds. And this angel shows up, and the first thing he says is, I've got good news for you. You know, if, if an angelic being, if, if God sent a messenger into your room or out to your workplace, and suddenly there you were face-to-face with one of God's messengers, would you be afraid of the moment? These guys were. It terrified them. They were afraid, wondering, what's going to happen now? It's amazing how many people, when you talk about God, the first thing that happens is they throw up a wall and think, well, there's no good news here. I don't want to hear it. Stay away from me. I think these angels were kind of in the same place. That's what religion does to us. Religion drives us away from God. But when God steps into our lives, the first thing that he does is he always brings us a message of good news. We need to stop and realize that this Christmas season, first of all, reminds us of good news that God has for us. Second of all, it should remind us that we have opportunities to share good news with other people. That's what the Christmas season is about. It's about good news. The next thing is that the angels said, this message, this news is for everybody. Now, I told you earlier, God put a star in the sky so the scientists, the people who went to the universities, the brightest of the bright, those who studied those things that most of us don't pay any attention to, that they would know. But now God sends angels down to these shepherds, the the very simplest of all people in society, to proclaim to them, hey, something amazing is happening. You go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, and the angels made it clear, it's not just for the wisest of the wise and the most educated and the wealthiest. It's also for those who are the simplest and the lowest in life, thinking that they've got no future. God shows up in our lives, and he brings us good news messages for everybody not just for the shepherds not just for the wise men but for everybody in between good news is for everybody but then we get into the message itself it's good news it's for everybody but here's the essence of christmas the angel said to the shepherds a savior is born When I read the scriptures, I had you say the word Savior with me. That's the message of Christmas. It's the Savior. A Savior is born. More literally, someone has come to save us from our sin. You know, when you think about sin, when you think about failure, rebellion against God, we always think in theological terms and we think, well, sin brings death. And death brings separation from God, which if you walk into eternity with that, you're separated from God for eternity. But let me tell you something else about sin. When you're lost in sin, when you're embedded in a life of sin, it doesn't just affect your eternal future. Sin begins to eat away and erode everything else that you're involved in in life. 
Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When you're lost in sin, you're trying your best, you're doing life by yourself, you're trying to make everything work out, and all the while, there's something eating away at everything you're doing. It's amazing how many people around us are living that kind of life. They're trying to build a future on their own without God, and they don't understand why things aren't working. It's because they need somebody to step into their lives and save them from all the destruction of sin and of evil. They need a Savior. Scripture is pretty clear. All of us have sinned and fallen short of what God asked us for. All of us have missed the mark. Yet in the middle of all of that, in spite of our failures, when we were at our worst, God sent his son to redeem us. You know, the angel not only said it, a Savior's born, the angel even told us who it was. It's Christ, the Lord. You know, in this day and age when there are so many people with so many philosophies and so many gods and some people, you know, including, including politicians and well-versed people telling us that any road can lead to God, God made it pretty clear. There's only one Savior and it's Jesus Christ, His Son. That's the hope of all mankind. It's a message we've got to share. As a matter of fact, when the angel appeared to Mary and the angel came to Joseph in a dream, he said his name, the babe's name, will be called Jesus, which literally means a savior, someone who can save you out of the situation that you're in. God made it pretty clear somebody special was coming. And I want to do something for just a moment here in this message, talking about the, the message of Christmas. I want to look for a moment at, at John chapter 1. And let me just say, in, in, in Matthew's gospel, it gives us some of the Christmas story. In Luke's gospel, there's some of the Christmas story. Mark really kind of jumps right into the ministry of Jesus. John doesn't tell the Christmas story, but John gives us the doctrinal or really the theological side of Christmas. And I want you to see two verses out of John chapter 1. John 1, 1, this is what he wrote. In the beginning was the Word. Now, there's a capital W on Word because it's referring to God. It's referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, was Jesus, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. Now, let's pause here for a moment. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It's referring to Jesus. But if you look at that word, Word, in the original writings, it's really the Word that says what God has spoken or what has been spoken what it's telling us is in the beginning was God's message for us the message was with God and the message was God so from the beginning of time God has tried been trying to get a message through to all of mankind in different ways he sent prophets he sent holy men he spoke through people men and women both men and women both to let it be known to all of mankind that god had a message but man never grasped the message look at verse 14 in this explanation john says this and the word the message jesus became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace, and truth. Let me talk to you about this for just a moment. It's almost like God said, look, I've been trying for centuries 
to get my message across to people. But people aren't getting it. They're not grasping it. They're getting lost in religion. And they're getting lost in rules and regulations. And they're missing the point. It's not about a philosophy. I want to know them and I want them to know me. And so finally God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my message. And my message is going to become Mary's little baby. And when he's finished, and when he goes to the cross to pay for their sins, when he's raised from the dead, and when he ascends back to me, then people will begin to understand the message that he's come to be a savior to the world. Why is this so important? You know, it's interesting. As I think about this, the same God who created us, the same God who determined the penalty for our sin, which was death, he himself came to save us from our sin. That's how much God loves us. What an amazing God. And the last part of verse 14 says that when Jesus came, when the message came, it was full of grace and truth. Remember I told you earlier, good news covers bad news? Because the truth of the matter is, we are all lost in sin and in need of a Savior. But the grace, the good news is, God has grace for every one of us and for whatever's going on in our lives. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Then the last thing that we see in the story of the shepherds is that when the angels left and they'd finished their proclamations, these shepherds had to determine, what do we do with this message? And immediately they got together, they rose up, they left the sheep, and they went to Bethlehem to find this Savior. And they found him. I'll talk more about that at the end of the message, but we all, have to choose what we're going to do with the Savior. And then the second part of this message, for just a few minutes, I want to focus on the fact that everybody, every one of us, needs to hear the good news. Every one of us needs to hear the good news. You know, there's a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul is writing about the fact that, you know, we preach this message, we share this good news with people, but a lot of people are blinded to it and they just don't seem to get it. And Paul said that's because the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Satan, the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they've become numb to it, they've rejected it, they've turned away, they don't understand. In the middle of all their pain, they don't understand. They need a Savior. But yet they need to hear. They need to know. And that's where you and I come in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses here. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning at verse 18. If you've been around the Bridge Church very long, you've heard us talk about these scriptures. Because this is really the theme scriptures for our church. This is the heart of what we do. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. If you've not been to Connecting Point, you may not have heard about this. And by the way, 
If you're new to the bridge or you've been here a while and you haven't come to Connecting Point, you need to come to Connecting Point. We talk about the heart of the bridge, who we are, what we're doing, and show you how you can get involved. But we talk about this passage of Scripture. In my estimation, you know, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news. This is really Paul's explanation for the church of the Great Commission. But I want to read these verses. Follow with me. Beginning in verse 18, Paul writes and says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That word reconciled means he's settled the accounts. It's like balancing your checkbook. It's like going to your checkbook and being overdrawn. That's the condition all of us are in when we come to Jesus. But yet God, through his son, has balanced and settled the accounts. God has paid a debt you and I could never pay in a thousand lifetimes. Now look at those words. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given to us, believers, the church, he's given us the work, the labor, the ministry, the serving of the message of reconciliation. In verse 19, it says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, I want you to see this. He's given us the ministry of reconciling people to God. Most Christians think, oh, that's the pastor's job. And that's the assistant pastor's job. That's the staff member's job. No, that's the job of the church, reconciling people to God. You are not excluded. Just because you don't have a job at the church, it does not exclude you. Just because you're not in membership, if you're a child of God, you have a place in sharing the ministry and the message of reconciliation. But here's the interesting thing. The last line there. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. It's the same word that's used describing Jesus in John chapter 1. It's the same word that's used when the angels are proclaiming the word. It is the good news of the coming of Jesus. He's committed to us the responsibility and the privilege of sharing the message with others. In other words, I have a part to play. You have a role to fill in telling people good news that they don't already know. What's the good news? No matter who you are, where you are, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what's happened in days gone by, God has sent a Savior who can change everything. It's our message to the world. What the angels proclaim to the shepherds, God proclaims to us through his word. What we've received, we have the responsibility to share with the world. It's the same good news. Just as the shepherds had to decide, what do we do with this news? What do we do with this message? You and I also have to decide, what do we do with the Savior? Those shepherds ran to Bethlehem as quickly as they could to find the Savior. That's a babe. That's God in the flesh at the very beginning of his time on earth. You and I, 2,000 years later, have heard the story, and by faith we've grasped the fact that he was born. He lived a sinless life. 
He went to a cross and died for our sins. And on that cross, everything wrong with us was thrust upon him so that everything right with him could be poured into our lives. We live with the knowledge of the cross. Yet we have to face the question, every one of us, what do I do with the Savior? Oh, yeah, it, it affects the lives of believers. But maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you've never really taken the time to sit and think about the Savior. What do I do with the Savior? He offers forgiveness of sins. He says, I'll step into your life and I'll cancel out the debt that you owe, wipe it away, and begin to change your life and your path forever, including eternity. But we still have a part to play because he demands that we embrace him in faith and receive him. You know, in, in this Christmas season, one of the things that I feel so strongly to do today is we're going to pray in a few minutes as a church. We're going to pray for all of our activities this month. Throughout the year, about every three months, about every quarter, we set aside a Wednesday night and we have corporate prayer for what's going on in our calendar over the next few weeks and months. It's tough to do during December because of all the activities here, but we're going to do it today on Sunday morning. We're going to pray for our calendar and Christmas at the bridge. Before we do that, I want to stop. And I want to tell you, if you're here today, You've never opened your heart to the Savior. It might be that right now something's tugging at you and you're realizing, you know, this is real. It's not just an interesting story. It's not just something somebody made up. There's something real about this. Oh, I know we can't go back 2,000 years and see the event, but Jesus told Thomas, blessed are they who have not seen but yet have believed. You see, we're supposed to share Jesus like I'm sharing Jesus this morning. We're supposed to share him with people. Some people are afraid to share Jesus because they think, well, I, I don't know how to convince people. I don't know how to close the deal. We're not here to close the deal. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's our job to share the message, the good news. It's the job of the Spirit of God to close the deal and to convince people of their need of a Savior. Maybe you sit here right now, something inside of you is saying, this is real. Maybe you've never really embraced it with your heart. Or maybe you once kind of knew God, but you kind of ran your own direction and you feel like you're the prodigal. Can I tell you something today? God's arms are open wide and he's calling you to come home. If you need a savior, the savior is here to save you today. You say, how do I, how do I accept him? Words, you just tell him I need you. I want you, I'll accept you. We call it prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. It's communication with God. I'm going to lead you to prayer, the whole congregation, to give you a chance to embrace the Savior today. All over the building, I'm going to ask every head be bowed, every eye be closed. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that if you wrap your heart around it, you pray it with all your heart, with faith, God will hear this prayer. He'll begin to respond to you, I promise you. Let's pray this prayer together. You don't need to yell and scream the words, but write out loud. Everybody in the house, pray it. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I've heard the message, I need a Savior, so I respond to you now. Please come into my life and change everything. I put my faith in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins, was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. 
I will allow him to become the Lord of my life. I will know you. You will be my father. And I'll be your child. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'll come back in a few moments and talk about that prayer. Let me talk to all of us for a minute. So, it's Christmas time. There's a message that needs to get out there. There are people who need to hear it all around us. So, what's my part? What's my role? What can I do? I'll give you three things. Number one, I want to ask you to take one of these cards home with you today and keep it. From time to time, look at the back and just pray over the services. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a lot of people in church this month who never walked through the doors of a church in an entire year. We'll have a lot of people come through here who need a Savior. And we're going to have an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. I want us to start praying for those people. Number two, I want you to start praying for people you know who need a Savior. You, you may have some family and friends you think, man, they are beyond hope. They are not beyond hope. There's nothing beyond the reach of the Savior. I want you to begin to pray for some people today and this month. Some people you know who need Jesus. I have a good friend who's a great soul winner. and He makes the statement, we got no business talking to people about God until we've talked to God about those people. We need to start praying that the Holy Spirit will go out and begin to massage their hearts and open their eyes to the truth that they can have an opportunity to receive the Savior. And then the third thing, we need to share the invitation with people. We've got thousands of these cards printed for you to take home, to pass out to friends, to neighbors. Invite them to come to the Christmas production. Invite them to come to the candlelight service. Invite them to come here to the children's choir. You don't have to preach a message to them. Just invite them to come to church. And some of them are going to say, well, why don't I want to go to church? Tell them it's good news, man. We have a great time at church. You'll laugh at the children's, at the, at the, at the uh, Christmas production. You'll have a great time. Candlelight service is really great. We sing Christmas carols. It's really a great time. It is. But just tell them, come to God's house. Come to church to see what God will do. Invite people. It's amazing if you'll invite people to church and say, I'll meet you there. I'll come by and pick you up. It's amazing how many people will come to church that you never thought would show up. And then we'll see what God will do in their lives. Now, at this time in our service, we're going to stand together and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask the pastors and their wives to come join me. Ann and I are going to lead you in prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're not dismissing. We're not finishing. It's still early in our service. As you know, I cut my message short today because I want us to pray together. And here's the deal. As we pray, we're going to lift our voices and we're going to pray over this month's calendar, over people who are going to come to church who need to hear the message. We're going to pray for those families that are in need that we're going to be blessing through adopted child. We're going to be praying over everything happening this month, and we want you to join with us. How many of you know, if Scripture tells us if two or three people get an agreement, God will answer those prayers. Let me tell you something. We're going to pray. We're going to pray passionately. This is not passive. This is not, well, God might hear. No, we're going to ask God just like he's told us to, and we're going to see God answer these prayers. So I invite you to join us today. You say, well, people are around me. You don't have to yell and scream. Just lift your voice and just pray, and let's talk to God about people who need Jesus. I'm going to ask Ann to lead us in prayer today, and then I'll close in a few minutes.
Let's pray together. Father, God, we just thank you that this is your church. And we are just so honored to be part of what you are doing here at the bridge. And God, we just pray for everything happening throughout the month of December. Father, first we pray for our Adopt-A-Child program. And God, I just pray that as these families receive these gifts, God, that they will recognize that this is your hand of provision being extended to them. God, I pray that they'll have a greater revelation of your love for them. And Father, I pray that as families, that they will draw closer to you through this expression of your love as they receive these gifts in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for all of the services this month, for next week with the kids' choir and the Christmas message, the following week with the Christmas production, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and the following week with our candlelight services, Sunday morning and Monday night. Father, we ask that your presence would be so tangible in this place throughout these services. We need your presence and your power. We rely on you. We are dependent upon you. And Father, I just thank you for what you are going to do and all the people who help to make these services possible. God, right now, I just pray for every person serving in all of these services, those who are part of the production. God, we pray for each and every one right now. And Father, I pray that every person serving would just come with such an excitement and an eagerness in their hearts to be here and to be a vessel for your use that we'd recognize that as serving we are part of fulfilling your plans and your purposes of drawing people to you and God we just thank you for that privilege and Father I just pray that as a church family as a congregation here that you would speak to each and every one of us and show us who you want us to invite and Father I pray that we would have a burden in our hearts to pray Pray for them and that we would have the boldness to invite them to extend that invitation and God I pray that you would draw them in draw people in by your spirit and father I pray that every person who comes through these doors throughout these services God that they would sense your presence here that they would sense your love in this place and not just your love but God, I pray that they would also sense that this is a body of believers, a community of believers who will also love them and value them. And God, I just pray that people's hearts will be disarmed, that they will have soft hearts, receptive hearts, and that they will recognize that you are in this place, God, and that they will hear and receive from you throughout these services as your message goes forth. And is communicated in different ways father I pray that people will receive your message and God I just pray that believers who come through these doors will be strengthened and encouraged and refreshed and drawn closer to you and father I pray for those who come through these doors who have had a relationship with you but maybe they've just gotten cold in their hearts and God I just pray that that fire would be rekindled and that they would get back on track with you rededicating their lives to you but father right now we especially join our faith 
together. And we pray for those coming through these doors who have never had relationship with you. God, I pray that they would recognize that Jesus came not just to be a savior, but Jesus came to be their savior. And God, I pray that they would open their hearts, surrender their lives to you, and ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And Father, we just praise you, and we thank you for all that you are going to do throughout these special services, throughout our youth services, our children's classes this month. God, we thank you that you are ministering to people and pouring out your spirit on every person who comes through these doors. We praise you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Can we give God praise this morning for the prayers he's going to answer? You know, there are a lot of people whose lives are really upside down. Who are on a bad path, in a bad place. And they're stuck there because nobody cares. We want to be a church that cares. Family, friends, neighbors. Pray for them. Invite them. Share good news with them. Let's give God a chance to work in people's lives. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Now, before we change the order of things, <clears throat> this morning if you're here and you prayed that prayer a few minutes ago for the first time, or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run, we want to help you get started walking with God. You know, praying that prayer is not the end. It's just the beginning of the journey. It's the beginning of knowing God. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. I want to give this to you. When service is over, we're going to have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. But specifically, they're also here to give you this book if you'd like to have it. And if you prayed that prayer, please give us the honor and privilege of giving this to you. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you. No strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. They're just everyday people like you and me. They can answer questions. If you need prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you as well. We want to help you begin your walk and your journey, your relationship with God. Now, if you're in a really big rush today... You can go out to the lobby and right in the middle of the glass doors as you exit, there's a counter set up there. It's got a big screen. It talks about beginning your walk with God. You can stop by there, get the very same booklet, no strings attached. We simply want to put it in your hands and get you started walking with God, okay? Please let us do that today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you today. <laughs>